Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. Me for taking off my jacket. It's kind of warm in here. Would like to apologize. We are having AC issues. So it's hot in here. And then add to that the fire of the Holy Spirit that is in me. That makes it doubly hot. (laughs) Would like to welcome you all to the service this morning and we also welcome those that are watching online. The world is in trouble today because of sin. It all started in the garden. The devil brought evil and it separated The man and his wife, that's where discontent started between the couple. Sin put a wedge between them. Broken families, they breed broken neighborhoods. And broken neighborhoods, they breed broken societies. It is unfortunate that all around us we are starting to see evidence of the brokenness of the society around us. Tragic event after tragic event. Heartache after heartache. Tears and tears flowing as a result of our broken society. Paul is addressing a deeply divided society in Rome. There was a big rift between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. There was political discontent between the Romans and the Jews. There was social upheaval between the haves and the have-nots. And this text mirrors our society today, sharply divided along political, racial, and socio-economic lines. We are living in a culture of violence. Lord, help us. And the book of Romans was written to reconcile this society that was in conflict. Our society today is full of people with a lot of rage, 
and anger. And it just takes a little flame to ignite that. And the results are for all of us to see. Grant Osborne, I'm quoting, says, Paul is laying a vision for the true Christian life. Paul's mature thinking on essential Christianity, that is what a Christian looks like in the neighborhood. That's all that Paul is trying to teach. What a true Christian looks like in the neighborhood. What a true Christian looks like in the marketplace. And we are kicking off from the wonderful sermon last week. And Pastor Dan ended by saying, we should be in the up down, upside down mode. That is when we go against the cultural trends or we go against the cultural norms. And Paul knew this, that's why in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but be you transformed, meaning be you changed in the way that you think. And how can we be transformed? He gives us the solution. He says, by the renewal of our minds. So Paul is laying down the work here and he's saying that we shouldn't flow with the culture. We shouldn't shout with the culture. We shouldn't jump with the culture. And he started on verse 14 in last week where he said, he urged the Romans to bless those that persecute you and not curse them. One thing I love about this set of scriptures is that Paul starts with a negative imperative. He just does not end with the negative imperative by saying, do not. But he goes on to give a positive verb, a positive action. Do not curse. And then it goes on to say, but bless. That's where he starts from. And then on our verse here that we are looking at today, on verse 17, we'll start by talking about retaliation. Verse 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It is a normal reaction when you are wronged to think of paying back. But Paul is saying we are not supposed to retaliate. Let me tell you a story here. When we were newly married in Zimbabwe with my wonderful wife seated back at the back there, Venezia, life was tough. So as a newlywed couple, we were putting away a few dollars. And then they came this 
Christian brother that I had known for many years. He was the smoothest talking guy that you ever met. So soft and so easy going that you believe every word that you said. And he said to me, Shano, I know of a place that's selling residential stands. If you work with me, I can work with you and I can get you a residential stand. And I'm thinking here, we've been married for a year. What can be better than getting your own residential stand and building your own house? So I took whatever we had saved and gave it to this guy. And that was the last that I saw and heard of this good Christian brother. Guess how I felt? I was born again. I felt like the next time I would meet this guy, I was going to lay hands on him. <laughs> and not lay hands on him the biblical way. That was my natural reaction. That's how we all react when something wrong is done to us. You feel violated. Does he think that I'm a fool? Not only did he make me a fool in my own eyes, I felt that he made a fool of me in front of my wife. That maybe I did not do enough due diligence in this transaction. My ego was hurt and bruised. That's exactly what happens every time that somebody does something wrong to you. You feel violated. You feel that your ego has been hurt. And Paul is teaching here, do not repay evil for evil. Matthew 5 verses 38 to 39 says, You have heard it said that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. By retaliating, you are stooping down to the standards of the perpetrator. We have seen the negative imperative. The positive action that we are supposed to do is in verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All the commentaries that I read concerning this scripture, they say that it implies that you need to plan ahead carefully and thoughtfully for the good that you are supposed to do on the day that you are wronged. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. But you plan ahead. If somebody were to swindle me, if somebody was to lie against me, if somebody was to steal from me, when I feel violated, when I feel that my rights have been trimmed upon, think carefully and plan ahead. 
of how you are going to react in good. I know you hear people are holy and are saints and you have never been wronged. You have never felt like laying your holy hands on somebody's head. I know that that has never happened to you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 4 says, When you do good to somebody, when you plan ahead, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. We are to take the initiative in peacemaking. As Christians, where we see the big political divide in our country, some are on this side and some are on this side, some are shouting this and some are shouting this. As Christians, we are supposed to take a positive role as peacemakers. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. We are not supposed to be on the forefront shouting with our blood pressure rising up. Instead, we are supposed as a church, and when I'm talking about church, I'm not talking about cake of the hills. I'm talking about the board of Christ. We are supposed to be peacemakers. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. There are racial tensions in our country. It's simmering. Sometimes we've covered up things with wallpaper, but underneath things are simmering. Let be the church be the church. And take up what Isaiah said in his gospel when he said, Arise and shine, for your light has come. It is time for the church to rise up and be peacemakers and build bridges. There are two qualifiers in this scripture. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, sometimes it is not possible. Some people are not willing to live at peace with us, or sometimes they lay down a condition for reconciliation which would involve unacceptable moral compromise. We should not compromise our faith to do good. We should do things that are honorable in our neighborhood and things that honor God, things that glorify God. Now comes the question, should we as Christians do things to be seen in the neighborhood? Somebody might be saying, the Bible says, let not your right hand know what your left hand knows. Let's see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So if somebody wrongs you, 
the good things that you plan to do to them, they should be for public display. Because you are a city built on a hill. And Jesus is saying, the light is there for everybody to see. So when you plan thoughtfully, carefully, how you react to somebody who has done you good, let it be seen in society. So that God will be honored. Do not retaliate. And verse 19, Paul changes gear. He talks about revenge. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And Paul here is directly uh, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verses 35, which says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. Going back to what happened in verse 17, our natural in inclination, again, is to seek revenge. And Paul says, no, we should not seek revenge. The other day, I got an email, and it says, welcome to Wells Fargo. And thank you for opening a new checking account with us. And I said, goodness, I haven't opened an account. So I picked up my phone, I called Wells Fargo. And she said, Yes, an account was opened an hour ago online with your name. Again, I felt that something rise against inside me and said, what on earth is happening? How can they do this? You feel violated. Not only do you feel violated, but you want to set this right here and now. We are not insulated in this world against people doing wrong things against us. It's just sad to know that somebody out there knows my social security number, knows all my details, knows where I live, even knows who I am related to. You feel violated. And you feel anger inside. But Paul is saying... He should not avenge. Avenging belongs to God. The word for avenge comes from the word ekdexis in Greek, and it means punishment. God will punish sins in the now or on judgment day. God will have the last word. Have you seen some unrighteous people doing unrighteous things and they seem to be successful and getting away with it? And the law is not catching up with them? Ladies and gentlemen, I've got an announcement for you today. God is going to have the last word. And God shall judge everything. By revenging yourself, you are taking God's place. 
We are not called to be vigilantes. That's not what God called us. That we go seeking revenge. We go seeking, I want to make this right. They cannot do this to me. They violated my rights. Everything is about you and you and you and you. And God says, no, you were not made that way. Vengeance is mine. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think you can punish better than God can punish? Ask the Egyptians. Ask them about the ten plagues. Let's go to the book of First Samuel chapter 5. Whereby they were getting the Philistines balls in their private parts. It's there in the scriptures. You cannot exact tougher punishment than God will be when he judges, when he avenges. That's why the book of Revelation talks about the tears of the saints being gathered. And prayer saying, how long are you going to avenge us, oh God? There is a time for judgment. But because he is a merciful God, he is a loving God, he gives people the time to repent. That's why he tarries. Because of the extension of his love, of his forgiveness. Hollywood has its own version of uh, revenge. Remember the Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington? The bad guys, they come and do something bad to somebody weak who cannot fight back. And then it's revenge time. Denzel Washington comes and does harm to those other people. That's not the type of vengeance that God has. God has his own ways and his own means of bringing judgment. He will bring judgment to the world. He will bring judgment to nations. Revenge and judgment are God's prerogative. We don't believe in karma. Some people, they say, well, they did evil to me. Karma will catch up with them. We don't Revenge because we believe bad karma is going to happen to them. We do not revenge because we believe that God is the judge. Somebody is asking me this morning, what about the judiciary system? Well, the judiciary system and government, they are God-ordained. Next week we are going to hear from Pastor Colin. That's what he will be talking about. That it's god that's one of his ways of bringing judgment, by using the judiciary system, by using the government in Romans chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. Ladies and gentlemen, there is going to be a time when God will judge all evil and all unrighteousness. 
What's the positive verb here? In verse 20 it says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Instead of avenging, we are supposed to serve those that wrong us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus taught, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So in all these scriptures, we see a thread. Paul is not coming with a new doctrine. He is picking up from what Jesus had already said and taught in the book of Matthew chapter 5. He is just saying it in different words, in different language. But it's the same teaching. Serve your enemies with good deeds. The reason why we do that is that maybe one day they may repent. I will tell you what I used to think of this scripture which says that if you do good, you are heaping coals on their head. And I think I even preached about this in Africa. And this was wrong doctrine. I was thinking that if you are heaping coals, you are adding the punishment on them. That they are going to suffer more. The more good you do to your enemies, the harder it will be for them. But later on I found out that Paul was quoting from an ancient Egyptian tradition. And this ancient Egyptian tradition was, if you had done something wrong, and you felt bad and you felt shameful about what you had done, you were going to walk down the streets carrying a tray full of coals. It was a sign to show that I'm shameful of what I did. And in Zimbabwe, we have a similar tradition. In Zimbabwe, if you do something shameful, especially against your mother, you would be shamed and you are supposed to walk up and down wearing ashes all over your body. Our tradition says, if you do something towards your father, something wrong, that's okay, you can get away with it. (laughs) But if you do something against your mother, then shame on you. Then you need to show the community and the society that you have repented. And they would come and pour those coals, those ashes on you. And you were supposed to walk up and down the streets to show that I did something wrong against my mother. Talking about mothers. I had a dear friend who left us and is with the Lord now, Edwin King. And he used to tell me that always, whenever somebody was shot in the trenches during World War II, even when they were dying, he said they always called out the names of their mothers. They never called the names of their fathers. That shows how important mothers are. I thought somebody was going to say amen. So, Paul is saying by doing something good towards your enemy, there is a chance that they might be shamed of the wrong that they did. They might be shamed of the evil that they did. So much that they might 
repent. It's all in the hope that they might repent by doing the good deeds. We are praying and hoping that they will come to their senses, that they might know Christ. And why do we forgive? Because he taught us to forgive. When he was up there on the tree, on the old rugged tree, when they were beating on him, he could have called 50,000 angels to come and rescue him. He could have called the mighty host of heaven to come and fight on his behalf. But the Bible says he cried out and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We forgive because he forgave. We forgive because he set the standards. Even if we don't feel like doing it, he did it. They pierced his side. He did not react. He did not go blindly into this. He knew what was waiting for him. But he chose to let go. He chose to forgive. What happens? The results are. Verse 21. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the equation. If you retaliate, if you curse your enemies, if you revenge those that do wrong to you, you are going to be overcome with evil. But if you do good to your enemies, if you make peace with those that do wrong to you, then the reverse happens. You overcome. The world is waiting for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. The world is groaning. They want to see the true Christians that they will rise up and stand in America and be peacemakers and be bridge makers and shine their light on the hilltop, the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Revelations chapter 2, verse 7, verses 11, verse 17, and verse 26 refers continuously about him who overcomes. How do we overcome? We overcome evil by doing good. We overcome the enemy by the grace of God. We are supposed to be people of grace, peace, and honor. That's what Paul is teaching to the Romans, that this is what a true Christian should look like in the community. By your actions, by your deeds, by the way you conduct yourself. Practical takeaway in conclusion. How can I do this? We've seen that when you are angry, when you are hurt, when somebody has done wrong against you, you feel that your rights have been trampled upon. 
You should not demand your rights to be honored when they harm your pride. You should realize and believe that God is the ultimate judge. You should submit to the will of God in your heart, and then God's mercy will enable us to be victorious. God bless you.